Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good to see you. I'm very excited because the big game is on. <laughs> the big game is on. Uh, do any of you know the score? Argentina just scored. Argentina just scored. 3-2. Three, 3-2. Two. Three, two. Let's go. Is that in extra time or in PKs? Extra time. Wow. I'm sorry. I thought I was talking about the big game. That's just the World Cup final. Today we're going to talk about the big game, the real game. Uh, And by the way, the score is 1-0. God. So uh, we have been doing a series on the angels of Christmas. Very exciting to see uh, before Christmas starts, angels show up and start talking to Zachariah. I like to call him Zach. Gives him a preview, gives him things that are specific to him. Then an angel comes to jo- uh, to Mary, gives her a preview, gives her things specific to her. Today we're going to see Joseph. What's God going to What's God going to give Joseph through the angel? A preview, and things specific to Joseph. This begs a question. Do we have previews for our Christmas? And does God have things that are specific for us? Absolutely. And I want us to see that today. Maybe see Christmas in a different way. Um, I I will uh, just preemptively let you know, while I was studying for this sermon, I actually might have shed some tears for just a moment. I brought myself back together, but I got a little bit choked up. Uh, on some of the stuff, and maybe we'll, uh, we'll maybe we'll share that part when we get to it. Uh, but this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen through twenty-five. This is the Angels of Christmas series, and this is this morning the angel uh, to Joseph. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get going. Lord, thanks for this morning. <clears throat> thanks for the idea that you are in control of everything. There's no surprises. You have a plan. And in the big game, you make sure that you win and you make sure that we have a shot at winning as well. Pray, Lord, we be reminded of that this morning, that we be really clear on the greatness of the good news that really started before Christmas, but Christmas is definitely a key piece too. So be with our passage, Lord. May we see it in maybe new ways or be reminded of same ways we've seen it in the past. May we be encouraged, warmed, challenged to be your representatives, to live that story. And so, Father, be with us and this time. Guide it through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this is uh, the story in Matthew. Matthew's kind of a fun book. You've got some genealogies and everything at the beginning that kind of make sure you understand everybody comes from all the right places, kind of. I mean, that's important that you come from the right place. More importantly, it shows that God had an absolute plan, super specific, and he's playing it out to the T. Uh, that's great news. 
because I'm not from all the right places. But I do have a God who has a plan, and he's playing it out in, with specifics to the people that are involved back then, and I would argue 100% today. Amen? Uh, genealogies are fun. Take a look at them so that you can catch some stuff maybe you haven't seen before. Um, but this would help us understand who Joseph is. When Jesus comes on the scene, well, just prior to Jesus coming on the scene this time, we'll say it that way, we kind of know who Joseph is now because we have this genealogy. We know that he's um, from the kingly tribe, the tribe, the only tribe of the 12 where kings can come from. And we're going to see that in just a second. And then we also have uh, Elizabeth in the story. And uh, that's a whole different thing. <clears throat> Good morning. <laughs> So let's get going. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place. And I wish there was a period right there. I wish that we would continually remember that that is a true statement. Uh, the Bible always functions from the assumption that God is, was, and always will be. In fact, the Bible never sets out to prove itself, which I love. It never presents a defense. It simply tells the story of this is how it was. This is how it will be. It's not trying to prove anything. The Bible's not an experiment. It's scientific. But um, it's functioning from the idea that when God says something, it happens. Um, I hope that you've had that experience going to hold it together this morning, where God has done things and pushed you in a direction, and then he did it, and you were clear from the beginning to the end. Most of the time, I'm unclear. I lack some clarity multiple times along the trail. When I get to the very end and it comes to fruition, then I look back and say, oh yeah, I knew all along. I was fine. But the reality is, we want a God who's following through. And this is Matthew's account of, I want to tell you how it happened, rather than let me prove to you it happened. I love that perspective. That Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is how it happened. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I told you, it is a scientific book. We just got a biology lesson. Before he was with her, she is pregnant. That's not supposed to be possible normally. As you can imagine, Joseph pretty, pretty surprised. Bad day for Joe. Because prior to any angel coming and giving him any information, if your fiancé that you're betrothed to, if she turns up pregnant, well, there's really kind of only one answer for that. I know it wasn't me. There must be another guy. Uh, so you can imagine the doubt that he's going through. Her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. 
Now, they're betrothed. They haven't actually gotten married. It's kind of interesting that they consider them married and consider them husband and wife, even though they're still betrothed and might not have had the, ser the service yet. But he says, look, I'm, I'm going to carry myself with class and character. I'm going to be good and moral, unlike anybody in a parking lot shopping at Christmas time. Right? He says, I, I know how to handle this. If there's someone else, I'll back out quietly. I'm going to save her name, and we'll both move on. It's gracious on his part. Um, we might have a, a window into what type of guy he was and who he had grown up to be in the Lord and why God chose him. Pretty great. But as he considered these things, he's making a plan. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Here comes Gabriel, right? And Gabe comes and says, Joe, says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to argue that it would probably take a dream and it would probably take an angel to show up and convince me that there wasn't another guy that I'm still supposed to marry her, and that somehow the Holy Spirit's involved. That would be hard for me. I'm hoping that there's, there's some play of the cousins going on. Because Joseph is aware of Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who just had a similar scenario, similar yet not the same, where couldn't get pregnant, too old, and now she's with child. And I wonder if Joseph's looking at that one going, hmm, angel came to them. Something different's happening with them. Maybe there's something going on here. In our relationship with the Lord, we always want to ask the question, am I the only one having this experience? Or multiple, are things going on around me where doors are opening and lights are shining and people are getting leadings and, and there's a movement of more than just me? I love to ask the question because people, as a pastor, you, do you know this? People will come to me and say, oh, the Lord spoke to me. I'm always very excited for them. Lord spoke to you. That's awesome. Yeah, told me that you need to this and the church has to that and the whole thing. Wow. Interesting. Where can we get confirmation of that? It's a great question. That usually stops them right there. Because usually it's an agenda item for them. But when they can come and say, actually, I was talking with so-and-so, they had the same idea. Some other people, they came up with it on their own, and they brought, in fact, there's a whole bunch of people, what do you think? And then I look at the idea and talk to staff and elders, and we go, oh, yeah. See, it's going on around us. And then we move to one service at 10 a.m. on Sundays, right? That's how that goes. Um, I'm hoping that Joseph is having that similar kind of experience. I think he is, because we can see from the passage as we move forward that he starts to kind of go with the plan. Now, luckily, he's second one to have this experience. He probably heard about Zechariah and thought, well, I don't want to be made mute for nine months. 
maybe I'll have a better approach to it than Zechariah did. Maybe I'll try to believe it, right? As the angel said to Zechariah, you know, because he didn't believe, and he started running your mouth, we're going to make you mute. So Joseph starts to go with this, right? <clears throat> but the, whole, uh, the, the angel's not done. It says, uh, for that which is conceived in you, in her, is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the big game, folks. I love soccer as much as anybody. But this is the biggest game out there. I'm going to show you, Joseph, you're going to be part of it. And we're going to solve everything. What a great opportunity. Um, do we get to be involved in the solving of everything today? Do you get to have an influence on other people? Do you get to invite them to church, invite them to your house? Do you get to comfort them, serve them, uh, donate to them? We have that opportunity to have that same experience that the angel calls uh, Joseph into here. Um, but he makes a little bit of a contract with him, right? Just like Zachariah, he says, now, you got to name him Jesus, right? So apparently God likes to pick the names because he picked John right? John's name, and he's picked Jesus' name now here, too. And then we get this little add-in, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. Great reminder that when angels speak, it's really the Lord speaking. But when the Lord had spoken by the prophet, when the prophets speak, it's really the Lord who's speaking. Um, this is a reminder again God does what he says, and when he says it, he does it. He says, this is a reminder. You were told about this in verse 23, and we're going to quote, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, all of a sudden, it's starting to click for Joseph. Wait, I vaguely remember that Bible verse. You know, it happens to you at church all the time. We start preaching on some, you hear a verse and you think, oh, I heard that. That's right. That is in the Bible. And this is starting to make sense. Bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Manny. God with us. Right? It says there in parentheses, which means God with us. Now, if I'm Joseph, now I'm a little nervous. There was some doubt. I'm going to try to believe, but now I'm nervous. I mean, God's showing up. Wait, this is the big um, reveal of Messiah? And you, you want me to be center stage in this? That's a little bit of pressure. When Joseph, verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. That is one of my favorite phrases in the Christmas story. Because Zechariah didn't. He doubted. He had to go through a harder learning curve. Joseph says, you know what? I know everything in my humanity thinks there's another guy, and this is weird, and I just, you know, I had a bad batch of hummus, and so I had a bad dream. He decides, no, I'm, I'm going to trust that the Lord is doing something here, and I want to see God play it out. And he does what God says, which is wonderful. He took his wife. Was he told to still marry her? He was, and he did. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son. 
Why? Exercising some self-control, impulse control, maybe making sure everybody knows we had no interactions, no doubt, because you know what would have happened. They would have said, oh, no, I'm pretty sure you impregnated her. He says, no, I'm going to abstain. And he called his name, what? Jesus. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Uh, this is kind of a short story for Christmas. It's a short interaction sentence-wise. But can you imagine how big it is? Because really, we just, we just did, you know, eight sentences, eight verses. But we did more than nine months. This is a quick quick look at what was a long experience for Joseph. Uh, and he had to live it out every day. And I'm, I'm curious as to how he did that. And I love that scripture has its agenda and it moves and it's going to keep moving. Once you get past this verse, you keep going, the story's going to progress. But I, I like to sit and say, angel comes to Joseph. How is Joseph buying it? And I think I stumbled on some, some stuff this week that really resonated. I think there were some, some Christmas reminders for Joseph. And um, I got a little excited and started really flying. And I'm, I'm curious if, if the tech group and such figured it out. But originally, there was going to be three promises to Joseph from the angel. Then I came up with four. My notes still say three. You got the first one? Yeah, three Christmas reminders to Joseph. Look at your outline. There's four sets of fill-ins. All right, so your first, first fill-in is going to be to cross out the three and write four. All right? Um, But when the angel comes and says, she's going to bear a son, you're going to call his name Jesus, he will save his people from their sins, there's, there's a lot of preamble to that. that. That's like the conclusion of the presentation from the angel. What really happens is the first thing, the first thing he says, he says, Joseph, and do you know what the phrase is right after that? Son of David. And that hit me this week, and it kind of messed me up. He didn't say, hey, knucklehead, come here. He didn't say Joe. He said, Joseph, son of David. And I'm, I was spinning this week. What's he doing there? Why the son of David? Why, why the tagline afterwards? What's being said? It's... it's it is God keeps his promises, and here's the promise in that. When he says, Joseph, son of David, he's saying, I know you. You have a name, and you have a tribe, and it's a specific tribe. You come from kings. I know you. And I'm telling you, when, when you have intimacy with somebody who actually knows you, I think it's better than any kind of sex. I think it's better than any kind of money. I think an intimacy of knowledge of another person, an interaction and a connection with them 
is amazing. And to be valued and known, have a position and a name, a title, a function, the whole thing to know where you come from, also says, I know where you're going. The angel comes up on the scene and says, Joseph, son of David, you belong to God. I know your wife's pregnant, soon to be wife's pregnant. I know you're doubting what's going on here, and you've never seen anything like this, but this is what's going to happen. And before it happens, I need you to remember, you belong to God. I think it's a wonderful statement. To me, it has the strength and power of what uh, Gabriel said, the angel said to Zechariah two weeks ago when he said, I stand in the presence of God. It's a, it's a statement of weight. You are Joseph, son of David. Doesn't say Joseph, husband of Mary. Doesn't say Joseph, your future stepdad to the king. He says, you, Joseph, son of David. I love the specificity of that, the detail. Um, it gives me great hope and confidence that God would come at me with the same level of detail. Now, I'm not son of David. I'm not from that tribe. In fact, I don't have a tribe. I'm adopted, technically, tribe-wise, because my dad was adopted. So... Bloodline? What's that? But regardless of that, do I have an identity? Where do I originally come from? Who owns me? I want to claim that same thing, that I belong to God. Can you give me that um, fill in there for the first one? You belong to God. Oh, look at that. We changed the three to a four. The tech booth is taking notes. I love that. You belong to God. I think the um, devotional question I want to ask with this, how do you know? How do you know you belong to God? That's what gets me choked up. As I start rattling off all the different ways that I know I belong to him. I mean, the fact that she said yes. Man, this is recorded. I can't believe I'm going to say this. We had a little bit of a rocky dating relationship, and she still said yes. The fact that we had two boys and a girl in that order, and it was the order that I wanted. The fact that I got to work in a church ever. The fact that I work in a church still. I, I take it down to really goofy, goofy levels even. Because I know a lot of the big heavy ones, but even like when your buddy has a beat up old Mini Cooper and I tell him, you know, when you sell this, I want to buy it, and it actually happens with all the bills and expenses. I have so many proofs that, that it, it spurs me on to find even more proofs. What other ways? Can I find that I belong to him, that he's on my side, that he's working a plan specific to me? I got another one. Christmas Eve, this year, I get to go out to sushi. We're not cooking at home. We're going out to eat. This has been a dream for years. 
And the family finally agreed. There must be a God, right? I've taken it to goofy levels like that. Now, if I can get them to go to the movies on Christmas Day, also, I might be in heaven already. That's, this is, we got to find ways to, um, to prove to ourselves because the Bible never proves it for us. He leaves the proof to us. We get to do the experiment of, God, show me how I belong to you. And it's such a wonder exper wonderful experience. Um, so I really wanted us to see that. Before we get into the, any of the details of, hey, by the way, I know your wife's this, and, and, and this is going to happen. You're going to name him that. He says, look, I know you. You have a place here. God knows you, and you have a place here. I'm not talking about the angel and Joseph anymore. I'm talking about you. Secondly, he reminds him, he says, hey, um, I know you're son of David, right? But more recently, do you, do you remember you were betrothed? Do you remember there was a plan? He says, you are betrothed. Why does the angel need to tell him that? I mean, if I'm Joseph at that point, I'm getting very sarcastic and snarky. Oh, thanks, angel, for rubbing it in. You take the knife out of my back. This is one of the worst experiences of my life so far. What do you mean I'm betrothed? The angel's trying to point out, I think, hey, you need to remember, God had a plan, and God worked that plan, and you were fully in, and you came up with the right answer. You're betrothed to Mary. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Are you going to let some little setback, which I believe God and the angels thought that was a minor setback for him, right? Light and momentary affliction, Paul would call it, and actually not an affliction and not a setback, part of the plan, pillar of the plan. Joseph, are you going to let something that you're confused about confuse you also about the plan? You're betrothed. That's where we're going. Here's the question. Am I having to drag you, kicking and screaming? Am I going to need to break some legs and then prop you up at the altar and then we're going to do it? Or do you want to go with the plan? He is undefeated in every game, not just the big game. And he's undefeated in drawing us in. I'm enjoying more and more the idea that God has a plan for me and that plan he's been setting up since before I knew the plan. And so things that happened earlier in the plan, whether I call them by a title like good or bad or inconvenient or costly or painful, whatever title I put on it, it was his plan. And I'm simply walk in the plan. Now when painful, difficult, other than I would have chosen happens, how quickly can I take it as this part of the plan? This is where I'm still going. Because I, I like to turn. I, if you're in my way, I'll cut to the next lane and I'll go around you. And he's like, nope, stay in your lane on this one. He says, you're betrothed. Give us the fill in there. Homeboy James, you're betrothed. That's the plan. 
Um, we get it twice, right? At the beginning of the intro, verse 18, it says, when he was betrothed and had yet to, you know, and she conceived, and then the angel comes and says it. Do they, do they end up married? They sure do. Or does Joseph go with the plan? He owns his identity, and he owns the plan. Love that from both those two. I think the devotional question I want to ask on this reminder to Joseph is, what's God's plan for you? Oh, you mean, how do I discern the will of the Lord? No, don't, don't get all deep and ivory tower on me. How do you understand the plan he has you on already? Because newsflash, there's no surprise in it. Whatever you're walking, wherever you're sitting, the things that you're uh, spending, the places you're going, that's, that's the current plan. How well do you know that plan? Do you know that he's been putting you in that place all along and much of it you've chosen as part of your path? Own it. How much can we own the plan? And what are the pieces that you can... Uh, they say lean into, step into, put both hands on the... How, how can you engage in your plan? Love those two reminders. Uh, third is this. You're a virgin. <laughs> he says, I know the science doesn't work. The biology is supernatural. But there's no surprise here. This was God's plan all along. Remember the prophet said? Virgin was the plan all along. And we're going to do this regardless of the math. In fact, we're going to do it in spite of the math or science because then there'll be no explanation other than must have been God, right? We got this great word we use for it right? Starts with M, rhymes with oracle. Miracle. When miracle happens, the only reason we give miracle a title to things is because it makes no sense. I can't explain it. We love to make up excuses or find reasons for it. Well, they walked across the sea because there was a sandbar and the water just got low and we like to come up with those kind of things to explain away what was supernatural on purpose and were never meant to explain so that we would come up with the answer, well, it must have been a miracle. And why does God do that? Because every single time, every single time, without fail, that there's a miracle, Scott never gets credit. I get zero credit for all miracles. Where's credit always go? It always goes to God. Joseph was viewing what was going on with his virginity and the status of his betrothed as a negative. The angel is trying to remind him, hey, this is, this is totally different than problem. This is glorious. We're going to take this, and she's going to be conceived. 
she's going to conceive. This is going to be unexplainable. I think this is why part of the reason that he uh, doesn't have relations with her until after Jesus is born. Yeah, we're going to stay the course. I think there's more to the story than just eight verses. I'm pretty sure if you were living it, there was a lot more detail, a lot more characters and the whole thing. Lots of doubts and tears and questions and all that kind of stuff. But he says, yeah, um, regardless of your condition or her condition, we're going to bring life from where? From nothing. Look what I can do. And it will be proof to you if you buy it as proof. Wonderful. Um, what, is, what does that say to us then? What's, what's the devotional question I think I want to ask for this one? What's your condition? What condition are you in? We like to say it in small talk when we first see someone each day. How you doing? Hey, how are you? It's a condition question, generally. Um, and we ignore it because it's simple, meaningless exchange to start small talk. We ask the question, how you doing? And someone's having a bad day, what happens? They say, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> right? They just always, they unload, right? If they're having a really great day, what do they say? They say, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Right? And they start telling you that story. I think what's being said in the third one, I know you're a virgin, is this about our condition. You're perfect. Perfect? What do you mean? My hair's falling out. My ankle hurts. You know, I got this condition. That, you know, we can come up with all these reasons as to why something's wrong. I think the angel shows up to tell Joseph, can you come up with reasons for how you're perfectly the way you're supposed to be right now in the right place with the right people? And when you can get over your navel-gazing, whining, excuse-making, and complaining, we can actually play a really good game here. Right? Did Argentina win? World Cup champions. Perfect. Now I can use it in the sermon. Because Lionel Messi has won every title of everything ever in soccer, European and Champions League and all this kind of stuff, the most goals of the year and the whole thing. And this is his fifth World Cup. For, they only happen every four years. For 20 years, they've been saying, oh, yeah, he's good, but he can't win the big game. He's not any good when you get to the real playoffs of the World Cup. They never have enough good players around him because it's a team sport. Blah, 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 wah, wah. Now, that team and that player had to decide that none of that mattered. We're going to ignore all the negativity, and I will believe that I can be perfect in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. This is a silly soccer analogy that is meant to be true about us. It's true about Joseph. 
It's true about Mary. How do you draw yourself into God's definition of your condition? What proofs can you give yourself? Because this happened, I must be okay. <laughs> my, uh, my daughter came home from college uh, back at Thanksgiving, and we were going to something, and she was getting ready, and she's in front of the mirror, and she, at one point, it's all quiet, and all of a sudden, I hear this, I look pretty good. <laughs> and we, and then, oh, then it's on, like we're teasing her, and, oh, you look pretty good. But that's the thing. At some point, you need to be able to stand in front of yourself before God and say, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. Maybe I am okay. Because you got to get to okay to, to where you can then get to, I might be better than okay. I'm, I might be beyond average. I might be top of the middle of the pack. I might be top 10th percentile. I might be extraordinary. How about I start liking myself? How about I start liking where I am and the road before me? Wonderful. Wonderful. Lastly, um, I want to give you this one. You have plans. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take her as your wife. You belong to God. You are betrothed. She will conceive. That means you're a virgin. I know you know all this. But here's the plan. She's going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to save the people from their sins. You have plans. Step into them. And here's how you'll know. Because the prophet said, remember that? Isaiah, it was in quotes. It was uh, verse 22 and verse 23. And all of a sudden, behold, a virgin will be the child. We say that all the time at Christmas. And probably in some ways we shouldn't. Oh! <gasps> I can't believe you said that, Scott. No, in some ways, we shouldn't. It's a horrible story. The original, back in Isaiah. Because this time, there's no angel that shows up. God himself shows up to Isaiah and says, go talk to Ahaz, the king. He's a knucklehead, and we need to straighten him out. Here's where it goes. You got uh, seven? We're not doing 135 verses today. It's meant to be uh, 10 through 14. Uh, Lord spoke to Ahaz. This is through Isaiah. Ask a sign of the Lord. Watch what God says to Ahaz, because I think this is a message for us Christmas today and, for, and, and beyond. Continuing. Ask a sign of the Lord, your God. He's telling Ahaz, make a prayer request. Okay, if God comes to you and says that, your next question should be, what kind of prayer request am I supposed to ask or can I ask, right? What are the parameters of my request? Watch this. Let it be deep as Sheol. What's Sheol, folks? Hell. Um, what's the picture you're supposed to be getting? How deep does hell go? Really, really low. <laughs> Lowest, maybe. It could be way, way down low or high as heaven. What range has he just given Ahaz for his uh, prayer request? 
unlimited. Ask for anything. Reach for the skies. It's like you get a genie and say, oh, can I have some Reese's Pieces? <laughs> what? That's it? That's all you're asking for? Yeah, and I only need three. <laughs> About 300 tons. Ask a sign of God. What? He's giving him a blank check. But Ahaz said, no, verse 12, this is important. You see that word after the number 12? 12's uh, sub, sub, hyperscript, right? Is higher, subscript is lower. It's small. There's a word right after 12. When you see that word, what's kind of implied? The story was going, and then you get that word. What happened to the trajectory of the story? Somebody's going to mess it up, right? They were going, they were up two to nothing and going into the last few minutes. But France scored two more goals, tied it, and then they got to go into overtime. You know, they can't, we changed the trajectory. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Let's see this again. The Lord spoke to Ahaz and he says, ask a sign if you want. Is that what it says? It says, you might ask a sign. You could, no, it says, ask a sign. The form of language that we would say that sentence is, is a, it's a command. These are orders. He's not asking, he's telling. He gives him a command and Ahaz says no. You could have asked for anything. He says, nope, not going to ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. What's he doing? He's elevating himself. He's virtue signaling, isn't he? Oh, I am pious enough. I'm, I'm a right stout Pharisee. I'm so religious. I, I will never put the Lord God to the test, which is funny because no one can test God, <laughs> right? Have you figured this out? Test doesn't exist in his vocabulary. There's no way to test him. He, he could do anything. So there's nothing that's testing for him. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, here then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you would weary my God also? I asked you to ask, I told you to ask for something. And I told you to ask for something big. I told you to do it right now, and you said, no, you're wasting my time. In fact, Ahaz, you've been wasting your crown, your role. You've been wasting time with my nation and my people. You were supposed to be following me, and when I show up right in front of you and give you everything you could ever ask for, you keep playing your agenda. Stop doing that. He's really upset with Ahaz. Ahaz is freaked out because the north made a pact with Syria and they're going to come and attack and he's all afraid that they're going to lose. And God's like, are you kidding? Two, two little countries are going to attack you and, and now you don't think I can handle them? Ask for anything. He says, nope, it's too weary. I'm, you're going to walk, worry, weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord, verse 14, himself, will give you a sign. Okay, you won't ask for it? Well, then I'll give you a sign that you should believe in. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. 
ouch. What do you mean, ouch? That's great news. That's the Christmas verse. That's the prophet who talks about Jesus coming. And this is what we quote when we talk to Joseph. Yeah, generations later, Ahaz, you had a chance. You messed it up. You dropped the ball. You quit. And I'll give you a sign. It'll come generations later. And everybody will learn from your bad mistake that you were a horrible example. And I'm going to give them perfect example because I'm winning the big game. But I'm going to do it later with someone else. I have plans for you. He got all freaked out about two rogue kings and a micro war. Instead of saying, mm, I'm going to lean into my God and what can I ask God of today? What's the devotional thought I want to ask you this morning about this? What can you ask God for? He saved you on purpose. We get to be part of this sign that Ahaz missed out on. In fact, God went to great lengths to make sure we knew about Ahaz because there's two ways you can go. You can fail or you can win. You have a shot at having more of a relationship with God and see greater things. What will you try? You see, with God, there's no experiments. He doesn't have to experiment ever. But he says, I'll let you do the biggest experiment you want. Whatever you can think of, whatever you want to try with me, let's do it. Let's go. Ready, break. That's what he wants for you. That he wants for everybody. And it's why we should fill every seat. Invite people, go to studies, support missions, serve, all the different things. It's why we exist. This is our World Cup final, folks. It's way more important than Argentina. Yes, I can believe that I said that. Um, I want to encourage you, as we close in prayer, you know, a lot of times I'll lead you in a prayer at the end. I want you to go out of here this morning writing your own prayer in your head. I mean, you can write it down if you really wanted to, but what, what do you need to talk to God about? What do you want to talk to God about? Um, what would help you in talking to God about in these four things? You belong to him. You're betrothed to some things. Get beyond just the marriage view of it. You're betrothed to your role. You're... you're important. Your condition is important. And he has plans for you. How can you run with those? May that be our prayer. And then if you've never started this relationship with the Lord, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart and said, I want to I wanna walk that path. I want to understand the cross. I want to have the Holy Spirit interacting in my life. I want to be baptized. I want to live for you. If you've, if it's time, it's time to do it. Why wait? 
You're missing out on the game. Amen? Lord, thanks for this story. Thanks for um, all the different ways we can look at you, understand your heart, your intention, your identity. Lord, I, I pray you would help us in, in how we do that. Give us uh, creative ways, new ways, and then routine ways that we just go back to regularly because it, it writes us, it sets us. Keep us doing those things, Lord. And then when we get the big things down of who you are and who we're supposed to be in you, then, Lord, in this season, let us have fun with the little things, gifts and friends and food, whatever it is. May we enjoy our existence in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I hope to see you Christmas Eve, 3 and 4.30. Would love to see you Christmas Day, 10 a.m. More importantly, here's what I love to see. It says that when he woke, he did what the Lord had told him. May you do what the Lord has told you. Amen? Go with him.